Good to see you today. If you're online today with our online church family, we want to say hello to you. Thank you for joining us today online. Well, we had a big weekend last weekend, Legacy Sunday, and I want to say a huge thank you uh, on behalf of our team to all the church uh, as we got involved last week and we we presented our What We're Believing God For cards and we've been praying for miracles over circumstances and situations. And every year that we do that, we see God move in miraculous ways and uh, hearing people's stories throughout the year, how God answered prayer for what you believe God for on that day on Legacy Sunday. So keep praying. We're praying with you. Tell us your stories. Send in the good news. We want to hear those good reports so we can share them and to celebrate what God's doing. Thank you for your giving on the day. Thank you very much for your giving on the day. If you haven't had an opportunity to participate yet uh, in the giving for Legacy Sunday, you can do so anytime uh, over this month. Uh, There'll be uh, offering cards for Legacy and also the What I'm Believing God For card uh, for you to fill out and also a pledge card. And so you can make a pledge if you like. Just put that in, pop it in the offering bucket or drop it at the Ask Me desk at any time. Our target is $130,000 for what we're believing God for uh, this year. That was $100,000. We're paying down on debt uh, in terms of the mortgage on our facilities here. Uh, And then $30,000 designated towards other vision areas. At this point, I think we're around about $105,000 somewhere there. And uh, it will go up. Everyone say go up. It will go up. You can't go down. It's got to go up. It will go up and uh, we'll reach our target of $130,000. I'm very confident of that over the next few weeks. So God bless your church. Thank you very much for your giving and your faith standing with us together. Well, today, if you're in for a real treat today, you've got one of my very good friends uh, here today, Pastor Dave Gilpin. Uh, Jen, his wife, was here, as Daryl said, on Friday night with the girls, and they had an amazing time on Friday night. What I love about Dave, let me tell you what I love about Dave. What I love about Dave is I love that Dave is Dave. That's what I love. I I love that Dave is just Dave. He's, He's not trying to be anyone else. He's just being himself and He's an amazing communicator of the truth of God's Word, an amazing communicator. Most pastors are wordsmiths. That's what we do. We re- language is important. Language is everything. And what I love about Dave is he just layers it over and over again in a whole creative space that hardly anyone else ever gets into. I don't know how he does that, but it's way out there uh, somewhere. And when I hear him speak and I, I read his stuff and read his books, it just, it just messes my head. It's just really, the, the, the neurotransmitters are just going zzz, 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 all over the place when I hear Dave speak because he makes it really fresh. I'd love for you to stand to your feet. I'd like you to give Pastor Dave Gilpin a big welcome as he comes to share today. Come on, church. Give him a welcome. Thank you. Gee, what an intro. You can take your seats. Um, well, let me first just say it's, it's great to be here how fresh is this church? What do you think? How fresh is, is this church? That worship was as fresh as a tropical fruit being cut in half. That's how fresh it was. I just, I, I uh, Jen and I preach in uh, churches every single weekend, and we've been doing it for the last year or so. And, uh, and you know, we don't do a freshness test in every church. But this is Omo Fresh. <laughs> this is lemon fragrance fresh and uh, I just absolutely love that you know somebody somebody has preserved a heart of real worship for God and 
And uh, it's just an absolute delight to be here. I love your church. I love the heart. Your heart for community is extraordinary. Your generosity in in the offering last week and uh, what you'll add to it. It's just exceptional, you know. It's, this is not an ordinary church. It's not a church hanging on till Jesus Christ comes back, you know. There's victory in this church. There's, there's something rich within this church, you know. Let me continue the fruit analogy and say that when sometimes when you go to uh, the grocers or you go to Woolies or Coles and you want to pick uh, the fruit, uh, you generally you, uh, you always pick it up and, and you have a, the feel test, don't you? And you feel it and sometimes the avocado's too hard. Sometimes you know the avocado's going to go off in about three hours after you buy it, you know. But I just, in feeling this church, it's just it's just got so much health to it and so much it's just got the right softness. It's, it's eatable, edible. And uh, I just, I think it's fabulous, you know. Let me say, let me just give a couple of words out to um, TJ and to uh, Mia. TJ and Mia, I didn't even know you guys were together. Uh, I did know last time you were together, but I did, I forgot all about it, you know. And, uh, and TJ and Mia... I just, I just think that you're a surprise couple. I think that the word I had was that um, you often, when you come through the Red Sea, um, you, you do get threatened by the past to drag you back into the past. And, and Jen and I have lived off a word that, that God's put a barrier up between us and our history. And it's probably the greatest gift that we've got. But I want to say that both of you are being transformed from glory to glory. And when you're being transformed, usually it's, 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 it's in a chrysalis. Usually nobody's there to, to celebrate it, right? And until you come out and and all glory shines. But I want to say that that God's creating within both of you the spirit of a conqueror. God's creating within both of you uh, the the spirit of revival. He's creating in both of you the spirit of the future. And so don't let the past. Every now and again, the past knocks on the door and it says things to try and contain us, to try and trap us, to make us look backwards. But I want to declare for both of you, there's no looking back. There's only there's only looking forwards. There's no rear vision mirror, and uh, and if the, Satan does come to try and draw you back to how you used to be or a threat of things uh, catching up with you from the past, just rebuke it in Jesus' name and say nothing more of it. Don't dwell on it. Don't speak about it. Don't do a thesis on it. Just dismiss it in Jesus' name and continue to move toward your future because your future uh, there'll be thousands of lives affected by your future and it it might not not seem that important what you say and what you think and the way you act today but I want to say it's absolutely vital lives are going to be changed by the hundreds because of your attitude today and because of your front-facingness today in Jesus mighty name it's quite a good word that oh my gosh she, did you see the girl who came out to worship on, on my, uh, just on this side here? Where is she? Just, oh, is that another Mia? No. Who else has called Mia here this morning? Don't, don't, don't put your hand up. Don't. Oh, Mia, what, a, what an absolute treat you are. The praises of God. You know, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. You can start from the legs. You can start from the tail. You can start from the head, you know. But, you know, if, you, if you're sick with worship... You know, that, that I just think the enemy's going to be absolutely destroyed simply through worship. And you think, well, what does worship have to do with it? 
Well, uh, it's the praises of God. Judah, Judah means praise, and and there was a prophecy about Judah that he'd have his that he'd have his his hands on the neck of the enemy. You know, he'd suffocate the enemy's plans through the spirit of Judah, through the spirit of praise. And I can see that happening within your life as well. I'll just say something about you, pastors. How much you love your pastors on the scale of zero to hundred? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I thought so. They're absolute heroes, you know. And uh, I just want to say, I just you might not like this, but your second wind's coming back again. You know, you might not like that because you think, well, we'll just wrap this show up, you know. <laughs> you know, because the long haul, being a pastor, you know, you get bashed and you get bruised and there's all kinds of forces in that. But I just, I can see God putting a second wind within you. I can see that you're on the 18-mile mark of a, of a 26-mile marathon. And I just I just think that something's clicking in already within your spirits. And, and, and that'll grow and grow. You'll make a few changes around about the place. And then, and then a, a great confidence will consume you. And you'll emerge from the quietness. You'll emerge from the shadows. And your voice will be heard more. You've suffered from a lack of hearing. But your voice will be heard more because there'll be more authority upon your lives. And, and, you'll, a degree, and joy will come back. And, and happiness will come back. And fellowship will come back. It's most unusual what you've been through. But it's been the season of the trials of God. But trials come to an end. And I can see that it's already come to an end. And I can see there's an emerging, a second wind within you, new strength within you that'll take you uh, into the next huge stretch of the of, of the plans and the destiny God has for you. Don't say it's the end. Don't don't say we're nearing the end. There's a there's a, a huge slab of of influence and 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 vitality and greatness and strength and health uh, that you're about to enter into in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church will follow, prosper. Every seat will be filled and God will fulfill the dreams that he has for your lives. But I've got to say, well done, good and faithful servants. I've got to say, you know, you've been through the darkest valleys, but you, you've kept smiling. You know, you got knocked down, but you, you, it's the spirit of Chumbawamba. You know, they're a band from Leeds. I get knocked down, but I get up again. You know, it's in you. And I want to say, well done. Congratulations, you know. Uh, I, no one sees what we go through. Even our greatest works are never uh, uh, rewarded on earth. They're rewarded in heaven. God reserves a whole bag full of stuff uh, for when he returns. And so congratulations and well done in Jesus' name. Let's give them another huge round, huge round of applause. Uh, you can take your seat. I think you've done a great job. And is your wife or your girlfriend playing bass? Is that your wife, gosh, she's good on bass. It's always good to see. It's always good to see an. It's always good to see an attractive bassist, isn't it? No, no, I, it's no. It is. It is usually bass players that are marginally ugly. You know. No, no. You let's face it. They are. They are. You know. It's just usually the best looking person is the is the lead singer, and then lead guitarist got ADHD, but the bass player, he just. They eat a lot, you know, they just, who cares? No one cares about the bass, you know. And so when you see an attractive bass player, you think, this is different. It's different. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, sometimes I go back through my life and I think of embarrassing seasons in my life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I cringe. 
I'll be having a shower and I actually cringe that I said something at, at, at completely the wrong time. And, and I did something that I thought was good at the time, but turned out to be incredibly embarrassing. And I want to start with, with one of those times. I, I thought I'd like to be on television, you know, with a guy who wears suits like this, you know, isn't meant for the average life, is he? And so I thought I'd love to be on television. I, I felt like someone had prophesied it to me. And so I thought, what should I do? So I thought I'll do, I'll do the great British generosity experiment because we lived in England for three decades and I thought I'll find out how generous the great British public actually are and I'll go down to London and 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 I'll dress up as a beggar <laughs> see what I mean and <laughs> I thought this is a great idea and, uh, and then I'll dress up as a beggar and find out how much beggars make on the streets of London then I'll go to New York and find out how generous the Americans are then I'll come to Sydney I'll just do the same thing and so I'll hide a little a little crew of camera people, right? And we went down to London and and I, I, I dressed as a beggar. I sat down in Covent Gardens. I don't know if you've ever been to London. And I had a sign saying, I need money. And I just started to beg. And the guys were filming me. Well, it all started to go wrong because after about 43 minutes, these two black shoes came up to me and they said, you've got the right to remain silent. They said, anything you do say, can be used against you in the court of law. We're arresting you. And I think, what are you arresting me for? They said, because of a big begging infringement from the law of 1880. I thought everybody was allowed to beg in London, but not me. And then I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, we're doing some filming. And they said, where's your film crew? They disappeared. <laughs> Every one of them had disappeared into the crowd. There wasn't any. Nobody. <laughs> so they put me in the back of a paddy wagon. And they took me to the Charing Cross police, police station. I was there for about five hours in a, in a cell, in a police cell all by myself. Oh, how embarrassing is that to think to my 12-year-old son that your dad's been arrested. I feel terrible. I felt incredibly embarrassed. And, and finally, they let me out. And I was the talk of London because my film crew eventually had to ask some police officers if they knew about me. And they all knew about this pastor who had been arrested that was now in jail. You know, And I've got a police record now. We, we've got we, we run a, ran a church in the UK and we had a nursery there, so I had to have a criminal record check. I was the only one coming up with a criminal record every year for about a decade, you know. But anyway, I'd, I'd hide this crew, so I thought, what I'll do now is I can't do any more begging. I'll dress up as a super cheeky charity worker. So I had a shaker thing. I was raising money for a hospice in the, in the southwest of, of England, legitimately. And so I did that for a while. Then I thought, I'm just going to go ballistic here. And I went into a Savoy tailoring and I I said, can I have a suit? Can I, I'm doing some filming. Can I have a suit for the filming for a week or so? They said, yeah, pick any suit. Even that's amazing, right? And so I came out in this boss suit, just, just looking like a million dollars, you know, a super spiffy charity worker. And I told people outside the Bank of England, I said, listen, don't, please don't give less than a fiver. I said, I'm not looking for loose chains. I'm trying to raise a million uh, dollars for charity here. Anyway, if it's got, when the results all came in, right, uh, if I did begging, and I, this is all approximate because I only did it for 43 minutes, right, but, but if I did begging for a whole year, I'd probably be, be on about thirteen. $13,000 a year. If I did the super cheeky charity worker, I'd be on a, around $60,000 a year. 
if I did, and if we had drums, we'd do a drum roll. If I did the super spiffy charity worker, I would be on $280,000 a year. You know, a lot of business gurus, and I'm going, to, I'm going to say that it's in the Bible, that your attitude determines your altitude. Same people, same city of London, same area, but different attitude. I went from the attitude of a victim to the attitude of victor. They went from stingy to generous. Because of the change in my attitude. And if you think that's just positivity, well, it is positivity, but it's, it's what goes on uh, between your inner world of your spirit and the outer world of your activity. The connector is your mind. And it makes an incredible difference. In, in 1954, uh, there was a runner called Roger Bannister, and he broke the four-minute mile. Nobody in all of human history had ever run a mile in less, than four, in less than four minutes. Well, some guy in India getting chased by a tiger, but it was unrecorded because <laughs> he didn't have time to check. Right, I'm getting chased now. <laughs> I'm sure he was faster, right? But in recorded human history, no one had ever done it. That's nobody. Nobody had ever ran a mile in under four minutes. In 1954, Roger Bannister broke that record. But he also broke a mental barrier. Because in the next six years, 200 people. In the next six years, 200 people had broken the four-minute mile. What is that? Was it a lack of capacity? Uh, what was that? I want to say it was a mental barrier. It was, it was what you call a glass ceiling. And a lot of you, a lot of you in this church are, are bang up against, nose against a glass ceiling. But if you can break through that, that crisis of confidence and come into a new confidence that you're the right person, right place, right time, called for such a time as this, chosen a Adopted, forgiven, empowered, equipped, risen with you. If you can come into a new level of confidence, I just want to say again, there are thousands of people waiting for your breakthrough. You make a difference. And you might think, well, I haven't seen much fruit in this life so far. Yes, but we're talking about generational fruit. We're talking about your kids' kids. We're talking about your kids' kids' kids. We're talking about impacting this city for the Lord Jesus Christ. Your breakthrough, smashing the glass ceiling can change everything in the world around about you. We're all connected. You think, well, it's just, I'm isolated. You're not isolated. You're connected to every other person. And if you can break through and, and, and run a mile in less than four minutes, there's a whole generation of people that are wanting to as well. Well, you're thinking, well, the Bible doesn't exactly go there. Well, it exactly goes there. You know, Romans, let me take you through the book of Romans just, just really quickly, right? Uh, the Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says, the just will live by faith. Uh, so let me say this, let me, let me grandurize faith for a second, let me put a spin on it, right? That the just will live by faith. And when I say live, it's a residence, not a hotel motel. It's not something you do for a week while you're, while you're panicking. It's something you do for life. It's not something you do when you're skint. It's not something you do when you, when you go to university. You, you, this is a life call. 
The just shall live. It's a residence. It's a palace. We live by faith. And then in Romans chapter 4 verse uh, verse 18, uh, it says that against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed and so became the father of many nations. So against all hope, he believed. And because he believed, he so became. Now, here's one more. Romans chapter 5, verse number 2 uh, says that by faith, we enter into the grace of God. By faith, we enter into the treasuries of heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. It doesn't deal with good works. Good works take it to the bank of grace. But it never trades on good works. It trades on faith. But you know, the Bible then has a little twist, and I want to talk about it now. And it's from Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. And it says this, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of the thinking process so that you can test and approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, what are you, what's the Bible doing there? Because up to that stage, it has nothing about your thinking process. It's got everything about your believing process. So now it says, hey, hey, be, be changed. If you are changed, how are we going to get changed? By a change in the thinking process. Then we can test and approve, or I would say test drive. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'd say the Maserati of God's will. How do you test drive, not just stare at, how do you test drive the Maserati of God's will well, by a change in thinking. So it seems to me that this is what the Bible's saying. It's saying it's not just what you believe that counts. It's what you think about what you believe that counts. Ta-da! Henry Ford said, if you think you can or if you think you can't, you're both right. And I want to say to every one of you that unity is when all the churches in Logan come together. That, that could be awful. Unity, that's a joke there. Unity is when you come together, when you line up the conviction of your heart with the commitments of your mind, with the confession of your mouth, with the conduct of your hand, we've got unity. Wherever there's unity, God commands a blessing. Can you see how good this preaching is this morning? Because you think, oh, unity is when my husband agrees with me. A unity is, is when all the churches come together. Unity is when, no, no, unity is when you pull yourself together. Because you say things that you don't believe. You think things that you don't believe. And I'll say that the most important thing is the thinking, because this is the connector between your inner world and your outer world. Change your attitude, change your altitude. And for you to experience God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, the Maserati of God's will, you're going to have to work on the cogs. You're going to have to work on your thinking process. I'll just say, put this in, faith's an inner confidence that God is who he says he is, you are who you say you are, and he'll do what he says he'll do. It's an inner confidence. But it's not good enough just to have an inner confidence. You want an inner confidence and you want a mid-confidence. You you want confidence to ooze out of you. You want greater than, if you're back against the wall, yell, I'll die for Jesus Christ. You want to advance for Jesus Christ. You, You want to get out of bed in the morning knowing there's nobody like you in all of the earth. You want to get out 
out of bed knowing that you're not an added extra. You're the main actor, the main actress in God's plan for plan. You are essential in God's plans. And if you, if you think that you're not, you've got wrong thinking. You've been called by God for such a time as this. You're here to divide up history. Now, let me, let me let you into the, the, the scientific bit, right? The Bible says in Romans 10 verse 17 that faith comes by hearing from God. So whenever you hear from God, uh, faith, faith is deposited deep into your spirit. And let me use some, an analogy of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, uh, way back in the United Kingdom, that he called it a check of faith. Now, we, we don't use checks now, but a check is like a guarantee, that when you hear from God, you get a check of faith, a guarantee. What of? Something's about to happen in the future and you've been guaranteed it. It's not guesswork anymore. It's guaranteed. That's why faith's a noun, not a verb. Faith's not something you do. Faith's something you have. I've never seen a sweaty lottery winner. I've never seen a lottery winner worrying about what they're going to eat the next day because they're confident they've got the winning numbers. They know that there's a, that there's a, a lasso between them and a two and a half million house on the Gold Coast. They know that they're connected and nothing can divide them. And we're richer than any lottery winner because we're connected by a scarlet cord to the riches of Christ, to the promises of Christ. That's why faith and peace go well together. Faith and the Sabbath rest. Go well together. Faith and calmness go well together. But you know, a second thing happens, right? It's not just because how do you know God's spoken to you? How do you know you're saved? Well, this is what we say. We say, well, we kind of know that we know. What is that? It's, a, it's what I call a twice knowing. That you know that you've heard from God because there's an unusual confidence. There's an unusual peace deep down within you. But also you know it cognitively. Because when you hear from God, God sees a pathway between two parts in the mind as the crow flies, not as a river meanders. Last year, you thought God's for me. It was like a river meanders. It was a little bit complicated to say it. But now you've heard from God that if God be for you, who could be against you? It's like as the crow flies. When you say it, there is no dog leg in it. There is no meandering it. There's an absolute authority and confidence that God is for me. And that's what's happened a lot of your minds. It's a little laser beam pathway between two points within the mind. Now, I don't know if you've been to the United Kingdom, but they're, they're, nobody has any hobbies except for walking. Uh, for a start, they don't have any extra money to do anything else besides walk. But the weather's that miserable that there's nothing else going on. You can't go yachting. You'll die out there. But the more you walk a path, the wider the path gets. It's the same with you. The more you confess the word of God, the more you apply the word of God, the more you act on the word of God, the more you meditate the word of God, the wider the path gets, right? And eventually it gets wide enough for God to lay some train tracks down. Because God knows the most powerful thing within your mind are trains of thought. And you're to take one isolated thought of God spoke to me and turn it into a train of thought. I'll tell you how your mind works. Because inside every mind are fields of dreams, floods of emotion. There's trains of thought and cities of habit. 
The skyline of your mind will determine the skyline of your future. There's the skyline of the fallen part of your mind, the skyline of the new part of your mind. And we're here to see the, to see the silhouette of your mind changed by the power of God so that you can experience God's good, perfect, and pleasing will. And you think, well, why does what God want to mess around with my mind? It's to make you sustainable. Most Christians just one-hit wonders. They have one major season of greatness within their life, and then they're, they're dead beats for the rest of their life. They, they die at 33, but buried at 83. God wants to make you sustainable. He wants you to be like Coldplay. He wants you to have hit after hit after hit after hit after hit, like Elton John, but not totally. Hit after hit after hit after hit after hit, not just like Natalie Umbruglio, right? Not just, not just one hit wonders. So he's going to change your mental process to make the faith journey sustainable. The trains of thought, every train leaves the Grand Central Station of your will. Nothing happens outside of your will. Even if, you, even if your will has been squashed and weakened, every train leaves from Grand Central Station of your will. And trains of thought carry building material to either the new part of your mind or to the old part of your mind. The more building material that arrives at either one of those two parts of your mind, the higher the skyscrapers get. So all we need to do is strengthen Grand Central Station of the will to make sure that majority of the trains leave to go to what I'd call the eastern part of your mind, which is the new mind. And we start to neglect and we start to suffocate and we start to estrange the fallen part of your mind. So eventually it just becomes like, like a city that begins to cave in on itself because it has no supply trains adding strength to it. Now let me just give you a little little example. Uh, that you just say um, you this Christmas time uh, generally there's a Christmas party. Uh, your friends get together, but this year you weren't invited. They just say the invitation in about seven weeks' time never comes through. Right? You know how it is when you get rejected. You know how it is to be ghosted uh, when when they don't. You think are they still alive? You know, uh, you know what it's like. But often it's often it's just a change of friendship. But you but you can think that. That this, these guys, I've lived the last 15 years with these people, but everyone else has got the invitation except for us. This, this possibly is, is deliberate sabotage of our relationship, right? And so, so that thought, I have been invited, come, walks into Grand Central Station with a perception this could be the end of the relationship, right? Now the station master on the fallen part of your mind, which is Satan himself, says no one's ever liked you even from the beginning. Then he tracks you back. You weren't very popular at school or primary school, were you now? You've always been a loner. You didn't have anyone around from school into your house or into your bedroom to play because nobody likes you. You're not funny enough. You look a little strange. You're a bit out of place. And he goes, all aboard, train leaving for Rejectionville. First stop, Anxiety Town. Short plane trip. To, to, to self-pity, to the city of self-pity. Now, I'll just, you can catch that train, but you're taking building material. And you're strengthening the wrong part of your mind. But on the, on the eastern platform is the station master of the new mind, and it's the Holy Spirit. 
So whenever you get tempted, the Bible says there's a way of escape over every temptation. 1 Corinthians 12 or 13. And so that way of escape means that a train arrives on the, on the eastern platform at the same time as a train wants to leave on the western platform. And this train is, is going to be the word that God spoke to you about a year ago, 18 months ago, a week ago. But let me make it up, right? That there's, there's the Psalm 23 train. It turns up and it says, the Lord is your shepherd. It's not your BFF. It's God is your shepherd. He'll lead you beside still waters and green pastures. Toot, toot. All aboard, train living to the city of peace right now. Catch it to your own prosperous deliverance. If you missed that train because God's gracious, the, the next train is the Philippians 1 verse 6 train that says, hey, be confident of this. That he who began a good work within you, He'll be faithful to complete it. If you're friendless, it'll just be for a short season. And God's shifting friends. And if you miss the Philippians 1, 6 train, a third train turns up because God's extra gracious to you. And this train is the, is the Hebrews 10 verse 9 train that says God takes away the first to establish the second. He takes away the old friendships that got you from A to B to bring in the new friendships to get you from B to C. He takes away the old friendships that got you from drowning in the middle of the lake to surviving at the edge of the lake. He takes them away and gives you new friends that will take you from the edge of the lake to the top of the mountain. This is the way God works. This is how God works. And so can you see, I can't do a better analogy than that. But it's a brilliant analogy that the more trains that go to the eastern part, the higher the skyscrapers get. The less trains, less habits. You, you want to feed a habit, go ahead. But you want to feed new habits. You want to create new strongholds within your mind so that you can become sustainable and irreversible, unstoppable in the movements that God has for your life through faith. Oh, gee, I'm exhausted talking to you lot. Gosh, you're taking it out of me this morning. Well, let me, let me change gear. Let me, give you, let me give you four ways to strengthen your will. And the first way is I'm going to quote from the Spice Girls. And the first way, because they said, I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want, right? And, and you want to know what you really, really want. Because when temptation comes, it's always attractive. I've never, I've never been tempted by Brussels I don't know about you, even at Christmas time, would you like another brother? I didn't even eat the first one. You can see there's a puddle of sprouts there. Don't ask me if I want a second one. I'm, you're only ever tempted with, with things that are attractive. But you want to, you just, you want to pause at Grand Central Station. When the station master says, here's some, here's some attractive things for you. Self pity is attractive. Lust is attractive. Deceit is attractive. This, all sins are attractive at that moment in time. You want to pause and take a break because you want to know what you really, really want. And I'm just going to do this super quickly because otherwise I'm going to go on forever this morning. It's quickly four levels of emotion within you. The top level is volatile emotions. That's anger. That's hurt. That's disappointment. That's immense sadness. That's huge anxiety. That's the symptoms of trauma. But every, every volatile emotion comes from vulnerable emotions. 
and vulnerable emotions. In other words, 90% of your anger problem is, is a disappointment problem. It's a disappointment problem. Who am I? Is anyone for me? Is anyone against me? That, that's what that is. And then underneath that is your visionary emotions that, that puts away the microscope, picks up the telescope, sees beyond the mountains. It's a powerful emotion. It's in every one of you. It's, sometimes it's sabotaged by the enemy. Sometimes it's sabotaged by fear that it magnifies. But it's there to magnify the purposes of God that are coming upon each one of you. And the deepest emotion in each, every one of you here this morning that's saved is your victorious emotions. That the kingdom of God's not food and drink. It's peace. It's joy. It's righteousness in the Holy Ghost. If we would have sliced you in half, the happier you get, the deeper the slice gets. And the way to have a good quiet time isn't just to say, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God. That's just dealing with your volatile emotions. It's, 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 you have, want to go into your vulnerable emotions. Oh, Lord, who am I? Tell me again how much you love me. Tell me again how much you're for me. But then you want to go deeper that into your visionary emotions. God, give me eyes to see. God, give me the eyes of Elijah. Let me see the chariots of fire that are all around about us because that changes everything. And then the deepest emotion, oh God, let me walk in the conquest of the cross that nothing is impossible for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you? And all you're doing is you're plumbing a well to what you really, really, really want and what you really, really, really believe. The problem with temptation is if it's too immediate, you jump into it, but you want to just pause and you want to know and you want to be equipped with what, what is your purpose in life. Otherwise, you'll go for the dribble of the world instead of the deep things of God. Can you say amen? Number two, you want to be an eco-warrior. Uh, you, want to, you want to be a more a thermostat, not a thermometer. You don't want to think, what's the weather like today? You want to be, you want to be a weather, uh, you want to be a, a, a weather pod yourself, right? You, you want to, you want to, you want to be, a, you want to keep, you want to create a hot house environment. You, you want to create a, a, an environmental conditions of, that, that attracts faith within you. Jesus couldn't do any miracles in his hometown because they never believed that he was, they thought he was the carpenter because it was full of doubt. You want to dismiss doubt. Uh, when, when, when Jesus, um, healed Jairus' daughter, he, he threw everybody out except for three of his disciples. Well, what was he doing? He was being an eco-warrior. He was changing the environmental conditions to create conditions conducive to the propagation of faith. And then Jairus' daughter, who was dead, started to live again. That's what happens within each one of you when you change your culture. If you've got a problem with Krispy Kremes, don't live in a bedsit above a Krispy Kreme shop. Because that's your problem. You think, why? Why am I not victorious? Well, just have a look where you're living. You know, when you get the munchies at one o'clock in the morning, you're going to go down to that black plastic bag full of the leftover donuts from the day before i know how it goes right and you're going to open it up and you're going to eat some and you want to live a mile away because even if you got the key to the Krispy Kreme store you're going to have to get there somehow and some of you just need to change the environment. You live in an environment too tempting to misery, too tempting to ugliness, too tempting to base temptations. You want to make sure there's a barrier between you and base temptations and you create a hot house environment within you. Gee, I'm preaching well. 
Now, I thought I'd say that to myself. Sometimes you, that's what you need to do. Sometimes you're waiting for encouragement on Instagram. Waiting for somebody to say you look great on Facebook when you put your new outfit up there. Sometimes you just have to say on Facebook, gee, I'm looking great. You know, you want to be a confidence machine. Anyway, number three is you want to change your confession. You want to change, change, change your confession. You want to, you want to, you want to speak different things. I, 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 um, there's, there's a kid who was walking home from school once and he had a frog jumped on his shoulder and the frog said, if you kiss me, I'll, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And the guy grabbed the frog, put it in his back pocket. The, the frog squeezed out, jumped again on his shoulder, said, kid, I said, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And he, he grabbed it again, looked at it, grabbed it. It's walking home from school, shoved it in his back pocket. Now that made the frog really mad. The frog jumped up. It was now red, not green. And he said, hey, kid, I told you. I said, e- I told you. I've to- I won't tell you again. If you, ki- if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. Why won't you kiss me? And the boy said, oh, it's easy because I actually don't. I don't actually want a beautiful princess. What I want is a talking frog. <laughs> now, let me summarize. You want to know what you want, what you really, really want. And you want to confess what you want, what you really, really want. You can't just have a private faith. You have to change your description of things. The greatest faith word in the word of God is the word but. And King David used it in Psalm 31. He said, my life's like broken pottery, but my times are in God's hands. Trust in the Lord. And but is, if I went camping with you on Fraser Island, I don't know its new name, but if we went camping and I forgot all the camping poles for the tents, you'd be mad. But if my back pocket, I said, yeah, but I've got seven free nights at the seven-star hotel. Who wants to come? You'd be happy. And all I did was went, but I've gone. And that's what you need to do. You might be feeling sick and miserable, but you might be poor and bereft, but everyone might hate you, but you just, I'm not saying deny reality, just overlace it with a higher reality. Come on, church. I'm preaching properly to you. You know, if you can get this, then the confidence of impact, church, the confidence will come back again. Some of you spend your time in the twilight zone of whether it's dark or light, but when you confess, you come into full, full midday sun. And then God commands a blessing because of the unity of you and things are blessed around about you. How about uh, Nick? Is it Nick? Come back on, on the keys. And uh, I'll give him a last point, right? And the last point is that you want to, gee, I've got to watch this point. The way I say it, you want to pray, you want to pray a little bit more. And the reason I say a little bit more is because, is because the prayer warriors have ruined it for us all, right? Because they always come along and say, oh, you need to pray three hours a day. I tried that for a day and a half. It was just way beyond me, and it was way beyond what God expected of me. But there is, there's not power in prayer, but, but prayer, the Bible says that, that things, more things are made available to you. So the effective prayer 
of a fervent person availeth much. That just more things are made available to those who pray. But one one of the great one of the great prayers, kinds of prayers, is repentance. And I'll tell you how repentance works because it's not got nothing to do with tears. That I find myself on the wrong train in the western part region of my mind often. Let's call it fifty times a day. So I'm on the train, right? And I realize, gosh, it's just getting darker and darker and darker. Because nobody's far away from God on all of planet Earth. You've never been far away from God in the history of your life. You've been away from God, but not far away from God. Because traveling next to every train in the darkened part of your mind is a yellow taxi cab of the kindness of God. It follows you everywhere. Because book of Romans chapter 4 says that his kindness leads you to repentance. So what is his kindness? His kindness is a yellow taxi cab following you. Every stretch of the track. In every darkened part of your mind. In gross depression, he's there. In gross pornography, he's there. In gross self-centeredness, he's there. In gross sadness. He's there. Because he's never far away from you. This is repentance. You get up, press the red button, train stops. Get off the train, get into the yellow taxi cab. It'll take you back to Grand Central. There's no emotion involved, it's a decision. And the word repent means to change your mind 180 degrees. I think condemnations kept you on the wrong trains for too long. I think you feel miserable. I'll just continue to be miserable. You take one pill. I might as well take another 10 pills. You you look at one thing once. You might as well look at 100 things 100 times. That's condemnation. That's not what you really, really want. That's condemnation at work. That's because you don't realize that God's close to you. It's because Satan's put out a lie across the churches in Australia that your daughter and your son are far from God. It's an impossibility. Where did you get that dumb doctrine from? It's not true. God is, God is, God is near every person on earth right now. Because when you got saved, all you did was turn to God and say, God, I'm sorry. He said, oh, okay then. You didn't have to shout. He wasn't a thousand miles away. He wasn't even one mile away. He wasn't one kilometer away. He's just one foot away. And in my analogy, he's just out the window. He's just there. He's just there. Press the red button. I'm a red button pusher. I have no problems with it. My humanity leads me at times and my dumb decisions to the wrong side of the tracks. I'm good at pressing red buttons and that's what this church needs to be good at because nobody goes from zero to hero transformation is, is inch by inch it's glory to glory it's step by step it's, it's never oh I'm released now yeah you are but you still got the habitual controls of the previous you so even when you do get set free you still need to change the habitual nature of who is you and so that's a thousand times pressing the red button. I'll say one more thing. That inside, when it comes to 
when it comes to my mind, there's, there's, there's some ghost towns in me. Depression's a ghost town. I used, to, I used to like sink for maybe three or four weeks. If someone said one thing to me, it's just sink, 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 right? I don't sink anymore. Well, why is that? It's ghost town. Why is it ghost town? Because the tracks have been mangled. Something's mangled the tracks. The trains can't get there anymore. It's, it's there, ghost town, just to remind me of how far I've come. Sometimes that's what scars are about. Sometimes that's why God doesn't remove the skyline of your history to remind you how far you've gone. But prayer bombs tracks. It makes the power of God available. Now, everything I've said, I've got these maps, right? They're grab and go. Everything I've got is grab and go. So you grab it. It's a trust system, right? And then you transfer the money but in the next day or two. But this is this is... Everything I've said is in this map. And everything I've said is also in this book called The Mind Map. And I've got a number of copies out there, but I think that some of you just need to apply yourself to what I'm saying. You don't need more material from me. just need to revise the material. You don't need more than this morning to make your life brilliant. just need to revise what you've heard this morning. And Here's my book if you, if you think you can. 21 of the world's greatest expressions, each one turned completely around by a new way of thinking. And here's my book called Think Twice, 500 trains of thought in the life of a believer. Oh, gee, I've enjoyed talking to you. We'll do some business and, and, then, and, then, and then we'll sing a song, right? So everybody stand up right now. And uh, um. We just do, we'll do it really quickly, right? Because, because as I said, I want to prove to you that, that God, he doesn't need to spend a lot of time. Uh, you don't need to spend a lot of time repenting. You just need to press the red button. And, you know, you don't... We could bomb some tracks, right? This morning, just really quickly. I want to show you how quick God can cause breakthrough in your life. Sometimes for me, there's voices in my head. I don't know about how mental you are, but I'm a little bit mental. But there's always voices in my head, right? And I think the secret sometimes isn't for the voices to go. It's for me to ignore them. I think that's what God gives you power to do as well. It's not, it's not to, to no longer be tempted by, trauma, by the effects of trauma. It's just to be able to have the strength to ignore the, the signs of trauma or the voices of depression. The, everything's got a voice. Anxiety's got a voice. Deep sadness has got a voice. But for you to, to, to not turn to the voice, I just think that's, that's the type of victory. And that kind of victory is going to be here this morning. And when I do an altar, I'll just give you 10 seconds to come out here. And let me mix it up a bit. There's a bag full of people that just need to repent, press the red button. We're not going to make you cry. There's others that, that just need to bomb a track. There's others that just need to, the strength of God to, to, not, to, not, to not turn to every voice that wants to lure you into its darkness. So if that's you, because uh, time's just about up. We've got about three minutes, right? I'll give you 10 seconds, and if that's you, I want you to come out the front. Let's start it now. On your marks, get set, go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 
one. Band can keep keep on just just whatever you're playing. Don't sing, but just keep playing. And that's good. That's good. That's good. Come a little forward. Make a make a little step forward. A little step. A little step forward. Come on. Come on. A little step forward. That's it. That's it. Don't be scared. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Oh, gee, precious times. Precious times. Precious times. Precious times. Say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, each one of you back there and at the front here, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to set me free. It was for freedom that Christ died for me. And I thank you today for deep victory. For the cross, the power of the cross, the power of the blood, the power of victory that is mine today in Jesus' name. I thank you for a new confidence in you that I'm the right person in the right place at the right time with the right purpose with the right mandate with the right calling. I am brilliant. Father, now do the work that you've called these people forward to do. Father God, loose people right now. How about everybody say this after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I press the red button. Help me to be an expert at red button pushing. I stand up. I get off the train. I get into the New York City taxi cab of the kindness of God. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. And Father, now make every prophet deaf, deaf to the voice of the enemy, deaf to the voice of anxiety, deaf to the voice of temptation. Father, open their ears to the voice of God. Remind them, put a a butt in the midst of their valley and remind them, God, of your word. Remind them, God, that your word is living and active, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword, Jesus, that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, God. And Father, right now, in Jesus' mighty name, you're a forgiver of sins. We thank you, but you're an equipper of the body of Christ, and we thank you. Jesus, let new strength come upon these exhausted individuals, God. Strengthen the grand central station of their will. Let temptations drop off. Let others just be in the distant distance in Jesus' name. And Father God, let a spirit of worship and joy, a spirit of worship and joy, a spirit of worship and joy. Say this after me, I'm forgiven. Say this after me, I'm free. Say this after me, I'm his. My beloved is mine and I am his. See, he's singing over you right now. He's rejoicing. He's rejoicing over you. Father, I pull down that stronghold where people feel like you're an angry God. A stronghold where people feel like you're a judgmental God. And Father, place within them, God, a stronghold that you are a kind God, an understanding God, and a gracious God. And if God is for us, who could be against us? Father, I break the spirit of condemnation. If you've been afflicted by it, affected by it, lift your hands to heaven right now. And we're going to simply pull it down in Jesus' name. Hands going up 
all around about the place today. Father, I thank you that the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge, God. And Father, right now, God, we bind the spirit of condemnation in Jesus' name. Father, we bind it in Jesus' name. No more condemnation. No more condemnation. There's no more condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, for those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no more. 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 Just say it to yourself, right? There's no more. There's no more. There's no more. There's no more. Be gone in Jesus' name. Stronghold of condemnation. Shrivel up in Jesus' name. 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 Father God. Father God. Father God. Father God. Jesus, 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 Jesus. God's, God's taking out that spirit of perfection, that feeling like you need to be absolutely perfect for God. He wants you to be excellent for Him, but He wants to take away that cursed spirit of perfection in Jesus' name. Let religion, this religious spirit, lead this woman in Jesus' mighty name. And let absolute and total freedom consume her inside and out. Let it be the joy of a nation. Let it be the laughter of a community in Jesus' mighty name. Father God, Father God, Father God, oh Jesus, amen, God, amen. Come a little closer, come a little closer. See, a lot of things have been taken away from your life that God says he'll never be taken away from you. Things have come and they've gone. You've thought God's the same. He's far, then he's close. But God would say that he'll never be taken from your life, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not famine, not persecution, not trial, nor demons, nor angels, nor anything at all of creation can separate you from the love of Christ. You're going to prosper. You're going to grow. You're going to suddenly, you're going to grow strong. You're going to prosper. You're going to be like some of the people you'd like to be like. And I wouldn't normally say that, but but there's so much potential within you. Father God, I bind that pygmy spirit, Jesus. And Father God, I take her out of that container and that containment in Jesus' name. Oh, God, I can't wait to see what God does through your life as you put butts in the midst of your valleys in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone, put your hands in the air right now. Put your hands like you just don't care. Put your hands in the air in Jesus' name. Oh, God. Father God, free this church, God. Take out the spirit of doubt. Take out the spirit of hesitancy. Take out the spirit of double of, of double thinking. Take out the spirit, Jesus, of confusion. And Father, give them a straight spirit of absolute confidence, Lord God. Confidence in you, confidence in your word, confidence in the future. In Jesus' name. Father God, right now, God. Father God, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord God.
God, an unusual confidence that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, an unusual confidence to speak to the mountains that are lifted up and thrown to the sea, an unusual confidence that we say by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, an unusual confidence that the God is for us who could be against us, an unusual confidence, an unusual confidence, an unusual confidence. Come on, Gideon. Come on, mighty man of God. It's been a long journey. It's been a long journey, but this is part two of your journey. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God's going to do miracles. He's going to do miracles. He's going to do that. You've got impossible situations, but God's going to come in and He's going to crack it open with miracles. Stop looking at the moon. Stop looking in your rear vision mirror. Just look at the sun. The sun of God rising in victory. In Jesus' mighty name. Father God, Father God, come on, let's sing this song together. Come on, stay where you are at the front. And let's that's say, that's it. Come on, open your voice. Come on, open your voice. Yes, come on, you know it. You know the song. You know the song. Come on, sing it. 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 I did warn you. 
of the spaces that Dave's mind goes to. And like, toot toot. <laughs> He's got a train to catch. I love that. I love that analogy. Dave doesn't know, but I used to work on trains. Yeah. My whole family. Railway family. So I was just catching that. Absolutely brilliant. Amazing. God love you, church. Thank you, Dave, for being with us today, sharing your day with us and taking the time to be here and just, just bring a lot of God truth uh, to us this morning. Hospitality's open right now. Cafe's open. Why don't you grab a coffee, grab some food, sit down with some friends, just make connection. Have an amazing week, church. Thank you so much for being with us today. God bless you. God bless your family to our online community. Goodbye to you. Thank you for joining with us today. Have an outstanding week. Thank you. Thank you.